0: If we rewind a little bit, we're going to first say, well, let's start with the gym. If you run for a mile, you only burn 100 calories. There's more than twice that in a soda. So exercise itself doesn't have very much effect on weight. And with regard to diet, if you take the old fashioned approach of just trying to starve it off, that kicks in the body's defense mechanisms to overeat later. So if people haven't been presented a good diet, an effective diet that will work for them over the long term to get rid of that extra weight, and that's really a low-fat, plant-based diet, if they've never heard that, then they're likely to think, I have tried everything, and the only thing left for me is a drug."
1: Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Huntington Beach, California, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and Aarhus, Denmark. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 10 of season 6, number 406 overall. Weight loss drugs. Are they the cure for the obesity epidemic or just another short-term fix to a long-term problem? That's what we're going to be talking about here on the show today. But then also other approaches to battling the bulge and how they compare. And we're going to be doing that with Dr. Neil Barnard. But first, I am so excited to be able to announce that tickets are now on sale for the very first ever exam room live and in person in L.A. on March 30th. It's going to happen at the beautiful eBell. And as a special thank you for this 10 million download celebration, we have a select number of discount tickets available at an early bird rate. So get on these early. VIP packages also part of that early bird rate. They include a plant-based dinner ahead of time, plus a garden reception with Dr. Barnard and myself before the show and priority seating once the podcast begins. You'll also have the opportunity beforehand to snap a photo with my old, really big pants. And the record, by the way, is three people fitting inside of these things. So if you wanna to try to break the record, grab three of your closest friends or family members and hop on in these pants. Grab a VIP package so you can take the challenge. You'll also receive a special commemorative tote bag on top of the dinner and priority seating for the show. VIP tickets start at just $100 for a limited time. General admission tickets also available for just $15 for a limited time if you want to come out and join us. Would love to be able to see you there. pcrm.org slash events is the website to go to. Just scroll down till you see the exam room live and click on that. Or right now, you can also just click the link in the episode notes to reserve your seat today. So that's March 30th at the eBell in LA and New York and DC, we're headed your way next. Today's episode of The Exam Room Live is powered by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit them online right now at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R Fund.org. We have a lot of ground to cover, so let's not waste any more time. Let's tackle this from all angles. It's weight loss on the exam room. Good to see you again.
0: Good to see you, Chuck.
1: The question about weight loss drugs actually came from a, uh, a segment on TV and a question from an exam roomie by the name of Samantha. And Samantha is in a jam right now where she feels like no matter what it is that she tries, she just can't seem to lose the weight. She's seen a lot of success stories here on the show, but for her, the success just hasn't happened yet. And then she turns on 60 minutes on CBS. And she sees a 13 or so minute segment about these new weight loss drugs that are coming onto the market. And she was wondering what your opinion on them is and whether or not they work.
0: Well, it's a, it's a great question. And I saw the episode as well. Um, what it is, they're talking about a drug called Wagovi. And uh, it's the, the very same drug is already used to treat diabetes under the name Ozempic. And you might've seen commercials for that. Uh, so over 13 minutes, um, what was laid out is that Wagofi is a drug that will dampen your appetite a little bit. And if it does that, you lose some weight and some people lose a, a, a fair amount of weight. Um, the problem with it was that the episode really seemed to suggest that there's really nothing else that people that obesity is a disease that can't really be addressed by changes in what you eat um, and that you really need to have this drug. And partway through the program, they suggested something that really troubled me and troubled probably every other viewer, which is they said that the program was paid for by Novo Nordisk or or specifically Novo Nordisk, the maker of Wagovi had paid an advertising fee to 60 minutes. And they had two medical experts who were perfectly good doctors, but both of them were also paid by Novo Nordisk. And there weren't any medical experts on the show who weren't. So we started to realize, wait a minute, this is not really a news program. This is a drug commercial. And so that was really the problem with it. So, um, uh, drugs do, they may have a role in rare cases, but what, uh, what we're seeing here is really, a, an overpromotion for commercial purposes. I'm sorry to
1: say. Yeah. And that's interesting to me. When I was still working in the news business, there were shows primarily on local TV, um, where you could do what they call pay to play. And that would be an advertiser would pay a certain amount of money, the fee to come on and do a short segment. Um, typically, those are those uh, the the morning TV talk shows that they have um, that really not necessarily getting a whole bunch of ratings they're just kind of there to fill time it really astounds me that this would happen on a program that's as prestigious as 60 minutes is to have this on such a national scale a paid advertisement such as this i think is uh, it is concerning from a journalism standpoint because it brings bias into the equation to be perfectly honest with you And you're not going to rattle the cage of the sponsor who at that point is driving the content, I would assume. Um, so when you told me before we started recording that this was in fact a sponsored segment. I, my jaw was just agape. I I could not believe that this could happen on sixty minutes. That's from a journalism standpoint. You, as a doctor, you sound equally surprised here. Well, and, and
0: let me say what we what we know, and what we don't know. We do know that Nord Nordis paid advertising dollars to CBS for this, and we don't know the exact amount. We do know the amounts for the doctors. Um, one of the doctors had received. Uh, over time, over some years, a number of payments from Novo Nordisk to be a spokesperson and to do various things for them. And together, the two doctors uh, received more than $100,000 just from Novo Nordisk itself. Um, but there's one other piece of this, Chuck, and that is that if you're if you're running what's effectively an advertisement for a drug, as you know, when you see an advertisement for a drug on TV, they tell you the side effects. In fact, they have to do that because that's what the FDA requires. But the 60-minute segment, while it was saying all the great things about the drug, did not give a thorough listing of the side effects. They mentioned you might get nausea, you might get vomiting, it's likely to go away, you dose it really small. That's not adequate at all. Um, It does cause nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation. Uh, There have been reports of pancreatitis, lots of other issues. Um, But when women are either pregnant or may become pregnant, Um, imagine how many young women are trying to lose some weight and and maybe they don't realize that now they are pregnant. Um, Fetal damage is one of the concerns with Wagovi, And so women who are pregnant or could become pregnant are not supposed to be using the drug at all. And that wasn't mentioned. Um, So we are going to be going to Novo Nordisk in 60 minutes and ask them to basically undo the harm that they've they've done.
1: Yeah, well, as my grandma would say, you can't exactly put the toothpaste back in the tube, but we will do our best here to unring the bell as they say, say, you know, I, I look at the two patients who were featured on the show and their journeys, and I will never fault anyone for feeling like they are continuing to search for an answer. I mean, you reach a point when you're just so desperate and you're so tired of being overweight that you would literally sell your soul to become healthy. And so when somebody presents to you an injection that you give yourself once a week and you say, well, Hey, this is the answer to all of your problems. You're going to jump for joy. And when the one woman during the segment actually saw that, um, the insurance company was now going to cover this incredibly expensive medication she was moved to tears i understand that feeling and it's a complicated emotion but i can tell you as somebody who once weighed 420 pounds that i believe that that sense of relief was yes a lot that okay the weight is finally going to come off but there is a part of her because this is the way that my mind operates as well There is a part of her, Dr. Barnard, that was also incredibly relieved that she would be able to continue to eat some of the foods um, that may be putting her in a position where she would need to use this drug in the first place. It is a terrifying thought to never be able to eat your favorite foods again. It is a terrifying thought. And I don't know really what the answer is to get somebody to be comfortable with the idea of breaking up with a lot of those foods. From a physician standpoint, how can we help somebody who is so desperate still find what needs to be found, and that is this healthier path?
0: Okay, well, you said several important things there, Chuck, and let me underscore a couple of things. Um, First of all, people do look at a drug often as their salvation. But it's important to remember that if a person is 100 pounds overweight or, or 150 pounds overweight, they're not gonna lose all that weight from the drug. We um, go for most people will cause some weight loss, but it's not gonna get you all the way there. And also it can't counteract the effects of eating, um, depending on, on what those eating habits may be, it can't fully counteract them. So a person still needs to be on a healthier diet. But you know, I, I think that people who have weight issues and, and to also their doctors too, um, often have been uh, the victims of really not very good information. A person who's been struggling with weight issues might say totally honestly and it's true and truthfully, I have tried everything. My doctor told me to cut calories. They met with a dietitian, who gave them an 800 calorie diet. They found they couldn't stick with it. They ended up blaming themselves and they tried really hard. They went to the gym and they exercised day after day and the weight didn't come off. And so they're left feeling that it's genetic if we rewind a little bit, we're going to first say, well, let's start with the gym. If you run for a mile, you only burn a hundred calories. There's more than twice that in a soda. So exercise itself doesn't have very much effect on weight. And with regard to diet, if you take the old fashioned approach of just trying to starve it off, that kicks in the body's defense mechanisms to overeat later. So if people haven't been presented a good diet, an effective diet that will work for them over the long term to get rid of that extra weight. And that's really a low fat plant-based diet with support for the addictive things that people fall into. Um, If they've never heard that, then they're likely to think I have tried everything. And the only thing left for me is a drug.
1: Yep. That, that makes sense to me. And I also think that. There needs to be, and this goes to the importance of the work that we do at the physician's committee, you know, uh, training the trainers and in this case, teaching the doctors about nutrition, because that is a huge component of what is missing. I mean, look, I was told time and time and time again, just generically eat fewer calories, eat more healthy foods. And that was the prescription for nutrition that I was given. That is so vague. You can't fault anybody for not knowing what to quite make of that. If somebody's eating 3,500, 4,000, 5,000 calories a day, you say, well, look, just eat fewer calories. They're going to think, well, hot diggity. If I cut that down to 3000 calories a day, I'm going to be in good shape. And I'll eat another vegetable. And that vegetable will be a can of creamed corn. And that kind of you know if the if there isn't more of an emphasis put on proper nutrition during the interaction between the doctor and the patient we're just going to keep running ourselves in circles again i honestly believe that i am
0: sure you're right chuck and there's a few things that have to be said um people are afraid of giving up their favorite foods they're wondering if they can do a, a healthy diet forever and so forth and those are realistic and those concerns should not be directly confronted We should accept the fact that people have skepticism and they have fears and so the way we do it at barnard medical center or in our weight loss research studies and so forth is number one we help people to understand how foods have led to weight gain and very often people are surprised to learn that the fat in dairy products the fat in meat and even the fat in a healthy seeming thing like extra virgin olive oil those fats have nine calories per gram and the patient might say, what, even organic peanut butter is that-? yes, all of those things are very densely packed with calories. And then they're surprised to discover which foods really don't have much calories. And that's the beans and vegetables and fruits. Yes. Fruits. They, they were told by an Atkins person that fruit has sugar that will make them fat. and they, they later discovered because we helped them to understand that those foods actually are very, very low in calories. Then, the patient has to have a little freedom to kind of test drive different foods and find the, find the ones they like. Then the next step, once they know where the calories are and what the foods are that are going to help them, and they have test driven it a little bit so they know which foods work for them in their life, then the next step is to jump in. And when I say jump in, I mean actually do the diet, but with a couple of caveats. We're not going to do moderation. We're not going to do it every other day. We're going to do it every day so that you can be like a smoker who's really breaking up with cigarettes as opposed to having one once a week that just reignites the desire for it. We're going to leave those foods aside, but we're going to do it with support so that you see the patient, talk to them every single week or between times if they've got a craving. And then what you discover is that with a certain amount of support and deciding, I'm not going to do moderation. I'm just going to give it my all. But for a short period of time, You break that spell. The person says, you know, I haven't had chicken wings in three weeks and I don't care. I don't really want right now. And then the final thing is look for vulnerabilities. Everybody has addictive possibilities. And it's good for people where where they know that about themselves to also know that there are certain times of vulnerability. And in addiction programs, we use the word halt. When I'm hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, When I'm tired, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, that's when I need to halt because that's when alcohol, drugs, addictive foods start screaming your name and they say, I know you're lonely, but I'm here for you. So we empower the patient with knowledge, a little bit of experience, what works for them, lots of support. And after not very long, just several weeks, the training wheels come off and you can take it on your own.
1: Yeah, you know, I might add an S to HALT to make it halts, and uh, have that one stand for stress. That's another big time trigger for a lot of people. You're having a rough day. You got 18 million things going on. You don't quite know how you're going to get it all done. You're just building all this up inside of you, this angst. And of course, you're going to reach for something that's going to release a little bit of that pressure, and that could be your guilty pleasure. That's another tough one that a lot of us struggle with
0: it's good you said that chuck because one of those stressors paradoxically is something successful um you want a contract something good happened. okay now i can make an exception and have whatever bad thing it is that then gets you back down the, the, the bad path again
1: all right let's go ahead and uh take a couple of questions right now cody is wondering whether you view diets like keto and paleo to be similar to weight loss medications in that they're a short term setup, uh, or a short term fix to a long term problem. Some
0: people have likened them to that because the ketogenic diet's selling point is that ketone bodies form because your body is starving for carbohydrate, it's starving for glucose. And so it forms ketone bodies that are caused as fat as metabolized, and that they have an appetite suppressing power. That may be true, Um, but as I guess everybody knows, uh, when you see the person who loses loses weight on a keto diet, very often it's followed by very bad weight gain and, unfortunately, um, increased cardiovascular risk because their cholesterol levels often get worse during the process, and, unfortunately, they've set aside the healthy foods the fruits, the vegetables, the high fiber beans, and things like that, that are gonna help them to keep weight off for the long run. So, so we don't use those kinds of diets, but, but you're right, there is sort of an analogy with diet drugs.
1: I feel like you've already answered this one. Uh, Betty here says that she got herself a gym membership (laughs) at the first of the year. Who didn't? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Betty is wondering what, uh, what you think should come first. Should somebody really get their diet under control, or should they be hitting the gym, burning those calories, and then try to tackle the diet after that?
0: Well, the diet is where it's at. And the reason I say that is in our studies, we have shown that when people don't change their exercise at all, they still lose weight very, very powerfully because foods either can be calorie packed or they can be foods that cause satiety. What do I mean? High fiber foods, beans, vegetables, whole grains. That fiber fills you up and makes you push away from the table a couple of hundred calories earlier. Try to burn that off at the gym. You're going to have to do a big workout every single day. Now, that said, I don't mean to criticize exercise. Exercise burns a little bit of calories, makes you feel good. Um, probably reduces the risk of brain problems overall. So it's a great thing. But if your goal is to lose weight, focus on the foods that are going in. Exercise can be a marginal part of it as as well. And, And for overall health, exercise is a good thing.
1: Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I want to stress again, this is just from my own experience that exercise doesn't mean getting up on the treadmill and running a mile after you haven't even walked a mile in years, literally it can be starting by walking around the block or just up your driveway and back, you know, wherever you are in your current fitness level, just start there and build up. You don't have to run a marathon overnight. And I think a lot of times when we are at the starting line of a weight loss journey, we're already looking miles down the road at what we hope will be a fantastic finish line, but we want to get there as fast as possible. So we overdo it at first and that can lead to injuries and setbacks and that can derail when you're trying to eat that healthier diet because then what you're stressed out you're a little bit angry, Uh, you're lonely, because maybe you're not able to exercise with your walking buddies or whatever the case may be. So it is okay, right, from from your perspective as a doctor to start slow and build up over time, not, you know, do the Olympics overnight. I I think
0: that's essential for exactly the reasons that you gave. You're you're not up to it. It could be dangerous for you and your joints aren't aren't ready for it. Um, We've seen we've used the same kind of approach for people who want to use exercise to help their brain function. What do you do? You start with a 10-minute walk. Anybody can do it, but you do that three times a week. You're done. Now, I don't mean a trudge. I mean a brisk walk, 10 minutes, that's it. If that's still too much, start wherever you are. But let's say you can do 10 minutes. Next week, let's do 15. Next week, let's do 20. So it's three times a week, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 15, 15, 20, 20, 20, 20. Once you get up to about a 40-minute brisk walk, Three times a week that's the level of exercise that's been shown to actually reverse brain shrinkage um and that's 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 a really meaningful thing plus it's pretty hard to eat a bowl of ice cream while you're out walking
1: <laughs> I, would, I would imagine that it is oh man that's a, that's a sight okay um let's let's look at some other uh weight loss solutions i'm going to put that in quotation marks there weight loss solutions that people are asking about will is in the middle of his New Year's resolutions, and he's wondering whether those low-fat, low-calorie frozen meals might be a good way to get going with weight loss. Okay.
0: Well, l- low-fat is is a magic word, and, and low-fat really means look at the label, and if a serving of food has less than about three grams of fat, that's great. That's a terrific choice, assuming that it's also uh, plant-based, you know, vegan, no animal products. So you look at the label, there's no animal products. It's got less than three grams of fat. Those are the kinds of foods that we use in our research studies to help people lose weight. Now, let me say really quickly, a lot of foods don't have labels. You go to the store, you pick up an apple, a pear, a banana, there's no nutrition label on it. They're all low in fat. And that's true. If you go down the bean aisle and the rice, all those things, all, so many foods are low in fat naturally. Um, so when I'm speaking about reading a label and looking at the fat content, that's up. maybe a processed food, like your vegan pizza or something like that. Many of them are high in fat, but the low fat ones, perfectly fine.
1: So when somebody wants to start off, you know, really taking their nutrition to the next level and they do see something that is listed as low fat, it's going to be in the frozen food section. It's going to be, um, you know, one of those big commercial brands. What what are some things that they should be looking for to really kind of make the determination as to whether or not this is a good purchase for them?
0: A burrito or an enchilada or a pizza or a spaghetti dinner or whatever it is. Um, when you're looking at the label, what you could do is take out a magnifying glass and take about 15 minutes and read all the ingredients to see if there's an animal product in there and if there is, you reject it. Or what you discover is that the animal products are typically listed in really big letters at the end of the ingredients list because they're allergens. So it'll say contains dairy. So you can skip to the chase. There it is. Uh, Another easy tip. uh, There is a section of the label that lists cholesterol. If if it's anything other than zero, that's an animal product. Finally, look at the number of fat grams per serving, less than three. You're good to go.
1: Let's talk about some vitamins here. Francine is wondering whether taking B vitamins can help expedite with weight loss.
0: Probably not, I'm sorry to say. Now, this you do need B vitamins. Plant foods are loaded with them, so beans and vegetables and fruits and whole grains are getting, going to give you the B vitamins that you need. If you buy a supplement of B vitamins, I don't think it's going to accelerate your, your, your weight loss. One quick thing that everybody should know, vitamin B12 is something you should be supplementing. You need it for healthy nerves, healthy blood. The amount you need is 2.4 micrograms, which is smaller than the pills you're going to see at the store. But buy one that's 100 or 200 or 500 micrograms, take it every day, you're going to be set. That's the B vitamin that you need. The others, they're really in the food that you're getting.
1: Let's move north in the alphabet by two stops. Does vitamin D help with weight loss?
0: You know, it's an interesting thing. Researchers have been digging into this. And back in, I think it was 2011 or something like that, researchers published a study that said, it's true, vitamin D plus calcium will actually cause, um, it wasn't weight loss, it was abdominal fat loss. And it was a really curious study for two reasons. One is they said they, they showed that people seem to be losing some fat right around their middle. But the The problematic part of it was that overall their weight didn't drop at all. So the researchers really couldn't quite explain why their their belly seemed to be getting smaller, but their weight wasn't really changing. Um, But the more concerning thing was it was actually um, using a Minute Maid product, and one of the authors was working for Minute Maid. um, And in fact, that's who gave them all of it. And I, I hate to sound skeptical, but I think what they were trying to do was to promote a product that had added calcium. Uh, you, you might remember the orange juice products with added calcium that were being pushed for all kinds of reasons. Uh, the dairy industry did the same thing, and they tried to show that high calcium diets, uh, including dairy, would cause uh, accelerated weight loss. And unfortunately, that didn't bear out in, in other studies. So I'm going to say calcium, vitamin D important. Calciums in green leafy vegetables. Vitamin D comes from the sun uh, or a supplement. Those are good for you uh, for other reasons, but I don't think they're going to accelerate weight. Anyway.
1: So this is the second time we've seen interests work their way into nutrition science here on the show today. If somebody's looking at a study and they want to know whether this was funded by a particular company or industry, what are some of the things they should be looking for to help them out?
0: You should be looking for a magnifying glass because it's (laughs) going to be in fine print, Um, but all reputable journals do list the funding sources. And there are two places in the study that you can look. The first is you look at the author list and it says where the authors are from. And in some cases, if they're working for a commercial food company, you might be a little bit skeptical uh, about that. And then uh, somewhere in the study, often at the end, they'll list acknowledgements and they'll list who funded it. And they will invariably say that the funder played no role in the decision to publish it. But on the other hand, if it was um, a study that was funded by the Egg Nutrition Center or the Dairy Council or something like that, you find yourself having a, a bit of suspicion about the, uh, what role they might actually have played.
1: Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't recall an egg-funded study that showed that eggs increase cholesterol. All I've seen is positive stuff that have come from that particular camp.
0: Well, I have to say, it's funny that you mentioned this, Chuck. A couple of years ago, we went through all the studies looking at the effect of eggs on, on cholesterol. And what we found curiously enough is that the eggs, the, the egg uh, business the, uh, does in fact fund lots and lots of studies because they wanted, for the reasons you gave, they try trying to show that eggs don't raise cholesterol. But what we found was that the egg funded studies, egg industry funded studies, are just as likely as the non-egg industry funded studies to show that eggs raise cholesterol. You'll find that in the results section. They will report it. Their people ate two eggs, their, their cholesterol levels went up. The difference is when they get to the conclusion, they very often find some way to make it go away. They'll say, well, the, the rise in cholesterol wasn't any bigger than you'd see with butter, or it wasn't statistically significant. They found, they found ways to, in their concluding statements, to try to do just what you said, make it all go away.
1: Let's grab a couple of more here. We got a couple of minutes remaining. Um, Interesting one from Regina. We've talked a lot about food. We haven't exactly talked about hydration yet. Regina is wondering whether drinking more water throughout the day can actually help somebody lose weight.
0: It's really important to be hydrated. And often when people are thirsty, they find themselves eating, they weren't really hungry, they were thirsty. So it's good to have water. However, I would say this, if you have heard the old idea that you should have eight glasses of water per day, that's a lot of water. You may never get out of the bathroom if you drink that much water. What it's supposed to be is the equivalent of eight glasses of water should be in the foods you're eating. So your bowl of oatmeal in the morning has water in it. If you have a bowl of soup later in the day, that's got water in it too. In fact, If you have an apple or a pear, they've got water too. So your body needs water, and the more hydrated you are, the better, but it doesn't necessarily have to be water alone. Uh, Perfectly fine, but if it's water in foods, that's great. One last tip I will mention. There was just a study that, that just recently came out that looked at aging. People who were best hydrated seemed to age more slowly, and their index for this, they didn't ask people how much they drank. They actually do blood tests. And you can look at how dehydrated a person is based just on on the the sodium content of their blood. Uh, If you're dehydrated, it goes up a little bit. And they found that the people who were a little dehydrated all day long aged more rapidly. Run to the the sink sink now. Fill your water glass or have have some fruit or something like that. Make sure that you're hydrated. It'll help your weight. Um, And it'll also may slow down the aging process too.
1: Yeah, I saw that study. That was fascinating to me. I think I talked about that on a show recently. Um, final question of the day comes to us from Karen. And Karen is wondering whether the body treats fat from nuts the same way that it would from greasy fried food.
0: Oh, what a great question. The part of your body that's building saturated or that's, that's building cholesterol will take saturated fat, whatever its source, and will increase its cholesterol production it doesn't matter if that was saturated fat from cheese or saturated fat from coconut oil or even the traces of saturated fat that are in olive oil there's not a lot there but there's some so um, it's all kind of kind of the same really Um, and the the advantage of vegetable oils is that they have less saturated fat in them two exceptions coconut oil palm oil they're loaded with saturated fat now when we get away from cholesterol and we're looking at your bathroom scale it does not matter if the fat comes from lard from peanut butter extra virgin olive oil or anywhere else every gram of fat no matter what the source has nine calories in it so if weight loss is your goal you're going to want it to really diminish fat from all sources and the beauty of it is if you're avoiding animal products animal fat's gone and then the next step is just keep the vegetable oils to a minimum Learn how to cook without added oils, and your life is going to change.
1: Do you have any other tips you think might be helpful that we haven't touched on? I feel like we've kind of bounced around a lot, covered a lot of ground, but is there any area that we haven't gotten to that somebody might find useful, especially just as they're getting going?
0: I think really, maybe the the most important tip here is once people are informed and they know things from your, your broadcasts, from my books, from other people's books and other resources uh, from our 21 day vegan kickstart app when they have the facts and they're making some changes and they feel like they understand what healthy plant-based diets are. Now really the most important thing is to have a sense of support, which can really mean a sense of community. So if you're the Lone Ranger, if you're all by yourself and nobody is shouldering any stresses other than you, there's nobody else helping you at all. It is so hard to take away from foods as friends even the foods that that don't love you back so support to me is often the the really missing link now support can come in a lot of ways if you're with a family and you decide i need your help now would you join me with this diet or or at least kind of help me and support me um, and not tease me as i do it great if they do it with you so much the better or let's say you live alone but you can tune in to this broadcast and you can watch a broadcast every single day, then you realize you're part of this community. And that for many people is all it takes to really help you to keep that momentum going forward. So we never wanna forget the support and the sense of
1: community. No question about it. And I know for a fact that if somebody were to come in here and they're living alone, maybe not around a lot of friends or family, just talk to the other exam roomies. I mean, they will hold your hand and coach you up and go with you on this journey. So you really never have to be alone. Even on your toughest days, I promise you out there, the exam roomies, they they have your back. And I want to end with this, Dr. Barnard. And this is just kind of shooting straight from the hip. And that is, in all honesty, it doesn't matter to me how a person loses weight. Anybody can lose weight. Everybody has done it. What separates weight loss from people actually achieving their goals is the ability to keep it off. And so all of these magic solutions that we see, and this is just my perspective again, as somebody who used to be severely overweight, severely overweight, is we view these magical solutions as being something that, you know, will last a lifetime, but inevitably. They only last a year if you're lucky, two years, three years. The only reason that myself or anybody else who has been able to successfully keep the weight off has been able to do that is because we have finally made the changes that we should have made at the beginning. And for me, what the science has said, what the diet has proven for me is that eating this low fat plant-based diet which is delicious, by the way, that is the way to maintain it and achieve optimum health. That is the reason, Dr. Barnard, why I don't worry any longer about going up and down the scale, which is just so daggone exhausting, man. I can't tell you how deflating it is when the numbers start to climb back up. It's like, why even bother in the first place? But to be on this path the healthier path, and to know that you are truly fueling your body with the greatest nutrition possible, not just for weight loss, but to achieve all of your other health goals as well, man, that is a freeing feeling. And so it's terrifying to think, oh my God, I'm never going to Taco Bell again at first, but man, once you get past that hurdle, you kind of wonder to yourself why you ever would have been there in the first place. You are just so much healthier. You're so much happier. And so you got to make these changes. There's just no way around it. If you want to have long-term success, these are the changes from my personal experience that a person needs to make. And once you make them, you know, as they say, come on in, the water's fantastic. It really is. It's just, it's, it's a really empowering feeling.
0: You know, I have to say, Chuck, I think that one day there will be no more diets. The reason that there are different kinds of diets, cabbage soup and calorie cutting and this and this and the other thing is because people didn't really figure out what foods are natural for people. And you just described it, plant-based diet, getting away from all the added oil and junk that people throw in, that becomes uh, the foods that fuel a healthy body. And that's it. You don't need a diet. You just need the foods that are there in the same way as you don't need 16 different ways to breathe. What you need is air, which gives you the oxygen that you need. That's it you need water, you know, you you need the foods that are healthy. And I think one day, we may be at the end of diets.
1: Oh, man, that's a glorious day right there. I look forward to that day, my friend, we should champion that. I'll tell you what, Uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, thank you so much for your time today. This has just been absolutely fantastic, much deeper discussion than I was expecting to have today. But you know what, I mean, this is just a dose of reality that people need to hear. So uh, thank you for such an enlightening conversation. Thank you, Chad. Today's episode of The Exam Room Live is powered by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit them online right now at GregoryWriterFund.org. That's Writer, Gregory R-E-I-T-E-R, fund.org. Check this out. According to major investment firm Morgan Stanley, the market for anti-obesity medication will climb to $54 billion within the next decade and that is an investment firm that is saying that, a major investment firm. Their job is to make their clients money and that is where they are shifting their money to, to make it grow. And again, my concern is that these medicines or any other formula, they just can't work long-term. What I would do, the old me, would look at these things and say, hallelujah, drive through here i come and convince myself that i was also healthy it's just my two cents from my own experience so here's what i ask of you together let's give some people some less costly alternatives let's help raise their health iq and show them that a healthier way is possible so that they can make some of these life changing decisions for themselves. And the easiest way that they can do that, the easiest way that you can help is by subscribing to the exam room podcast by the physicians committee on apple podcast or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating and a nice review. I promise you this every new subscription helps us climb a little bit higher in the podcast ratings and the higher we climb, the easier it becomes for people who are desperate for these answers to find them. So let's give them a helping hand together. And a couple of quick housekeeping notes here before we wrap things up for the day. Our Exam Room Health All-Star Series, it's not quite done yet. We just had to hit pause on it because of unforeseen circumstances with both Dan Putner and Dr. Alan Desmond. We're talking about back-to-back days. What are the odds of that? But that's life, so we will have both of them on the show in the very near future so we can put a bow on the All-Star series then. But in the meantime, please go back and check out the other episodes with our other All-Stars. T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Will Bolsowitz, Rip Esselstyn, Dr. Gemma Newman, Cyrus Kambada from Mastering Diabetes. All of them right now are available in our archives. But for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here and helping to raise our health IQs. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.